following takes place between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. everybody it is thursday another week is almost in the books and this is fpc radio live i am your host ian glendon and i am joined as always by my man mr mike debate mr rhode island himself mike how are we doing today La, 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 doing la. well, my friend. Doing well. <laughs> Thursday morning. Uh, can't help but love these short weeks. But you know what? It's two less days that we didn't get a chance to grace the airwaves fewer. together. So you know what? Fewer. It's all good. It's all two. Yeah, it's two fewer. Yeah, that's right. See. Yeah. My, my there you go. My inner editor just just doesn't go to sleep, Mike. So you see, that's it. That's it. Always, always editing me and always making me look better. That's what this man does, folks. But uh, no, and all, all getting aside. Uh, always great, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Again, another action-packed day. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of news in the world of football, some news in the world of baseball. Hot stove starting to heat yes, up a little bit as well, right. my friend. So, I see yeah, hot. some... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Very, very hot. Yeah, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll, well, whatever. We won't get into that right now, but <laughs> in any case, uh, really good stuff. So looking forward to the show today. Yeah, I was going to say that that kind of sounds like a medical issue if I'm going to say so, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, look, it, it's, it's Thursday. I love Thursday. Uh, Thursday's fun because we got Thursday Night Football and we have something easy to focus on, which is tonight is Cowboys and Bears. So it's going to, it's going to be right. good. And, um, yeah, you, you mentioned it, uh, the, the baseball uh, offseason is really starting to pick up. There's a couple deals that we're going to talk about real uh, briefly. You know, obviously we're we're going to dominate the uh, dominate the, uh, the 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 show with NFL headlines. But um, look, it, it's going to be a good one tonight. Like I said, the Cowboys are once again on the ropes, and, and the Bears are well. They're the uh, they're the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. That's right. The Bears. Yes. <laughs> no, it's going to be a good one. Like I said, there's a lot of stakes on the line. Um, Obviously, the Cowboys at six and six still lead the NFC East, but uh, the Eagles are—I don't want to say breathing down their neck, but they are—they happen to be in second place and, and kind of close to them. So, uh, so the Cowboys got to win. They got to kind of make the fans feel good, and they got to get some uh, confidence back in this team because um, clearly, uh, this is a team that, despite even if they do win the division, I, I can't imagine they're too confident heading into the playoffs. Um, even though Jared. Jerry Jones has said that Jason Garrett is safe for the rest of the year. I, I still don't think that's necessarily a good thing. I mean, he's, he's almost a dead man walking here. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe they can turn it around, surprise a bunch of people, but um, it certainly would have to start tonight. And uh, once again, they're on national TV, so uh, everyone's going to be able to see. Um, but before we jump into that, well, you know, we're, we're going to focus quite a bit on that. I do, like I said, want to bring up some of the uh, news and headlines of the day. Uh, first and foremost... The biggest news, I don't care, any sport across any sport, any uh, any topic, whatever, Eli Manning. That's right. Eli Manning <laughs> may finally be getting his chance to play once again. Um, Daniel Jones apparently popped up on the injury report with a high ankle sprain. He was in a walking boot and missed practice this week, and all signs point to 
the better of the two Manning, the better Manning. No, just joking. I mean, he, Peyton Manning was better. Let's let's be real real here. Um, but Eli Manning will uh, get a start, uh, presumably again on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. So, uh, I, look, I last year I thought they did him really wrong, Ben McAdoo, and and benching him. Uh, say what you will about Eli Manning, the guy was out there every week for his team. Um, he had, had his flaws, certainly, but he was also a huge factor in them winning two Super Bowls. So, to me, I, I thought the, uh, the the previous coaching staff really hurt, uh, you know, his... I don't want to say it hurts it hurt his legacy, but they it, they shouldn't have treated him like that, especially a, a franchise player like him. So um, I, I think it's great that he's going to get another opportunity to start. Uh, this team obviously is not good. Uh, I saw a stat, and I don't have it right in front of me, which seems to be a common theme sometimes, some days. Uh, but I, I did see something where Pat Shermer just crossed the 30-game uh, mark or 33-game mark with the Giants, and that is the same amount of time. Uh, ben McAdoo. Has been the co- was the coach of the Giants, and uh, Pat Shermer had a far worse record. Uh, I think half the amount of wins. I think McAdoo was something like thirteen and fifteen, and or fifteen and sixteen, something like that. And uh, Pat Shermer is seven and twenty three. So, um, yeah. It, it, so to me, I mean, Eli, yeah, he's he was part of the problem, but the the team construction of the Giants was just poor. I mean, you threw a lot of money at Nate Solder, who was clearly past his um, expiration date in terms of, you know, getting that type of money. He deserved it, but, you know, the Giants were just the team that got the, the, the worst part of Nate Solder. And, you know, you, you go up and down the line, the, the Eric Flowers era and all that stuff, you know, this team just hasn't been good over the last few years. But it's 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 going to be good for them to be able to get their franchise quarterback and, and perhaps his last little hurrah here. And uh, what a way for him to come back than to face the Eagles, who, um, you know, his record's not great, 10 and 20, but uh, 60% completion, 7,791 yards, 52 touchdowns, 34 interceptions, and a 84.2 quarterback rating for Eli Manning against the Eagles in his career. So what a way for uh, for a comeback if he can come in and uh, really just knock the Eagles out of the playoffs. Well, it would be the ultimate win-win for uh, the, uh, the the New York Giants and for Eli Manning. Let's not forget, he's 116 and 116 in yes. his career, folks. This is a make or break. Is he a winning quarterback? Is he a losing quarterback? All right, I'm probably being melodramatic <laughs> when I'm saying this. One win, one here and there is not really going to affect Hall his of legacy fame or that no much. Hall of fame. <laughs> uh, it could be right on the cusp, right? That this is all, this is for all the marbles. But no, nah, and all kidding aside, um, it's good to see him be able to get at least one last shot with the Giants. I don't know if it's going to be the last shot in the NFL. We don't know that just yet. I still think Eli Manning has something left in the tank, and I think you may see him pop up mm-hmm. next year somewhere with a team that might be quarterback needy. I don't think like he's going to come back right? to be a backup. Oh, yeah, possibly, because we <laughs> I, all know I, he's out the door. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to touch no, that. No. We can fill a whole hour, and we got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, about one Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr., but uh, in <laughs> any case... Um, when it comes to uh, uh, to Manning and the Giants, yeah, this is this is a big game for the Eagles. Let's not forget they need to win this to save their season. There's talent on both sides of the ball in Philadelphia for some reason or whatever that has not been able to bring it all close together. And I know a lot of people are going to start pointing the finger at Carson Wentz. I don't necessarily know if Wentz was the entire problem last week in the loss to the Dolphins, but they have a lot to prove. If they want to keep any pressure on Dallas whatsoever and try to keep a very dismal playoff hope alive right now, they need this game big time. 
Eli Manning is going to be very motivated to play a good game. If he's showcasing his talent for another team and wants to prove that he still has stuff left in the tank, this is a big game for him. So all of a sudden, this Giants-Eagles game got a lot more interesting than even it already was. I'm going to have a sharp eye on this one this weekend. And I can't say that maybe three or four days ago that I would have. I would have given it its attention. It's just due, you know, naturally because of the Eagles and their playoff situation. But now I'm going to have an eye on the Giants as well on this one. So this should be a good game. Yeah, and, and look, I'm I'm not sitting here trying to uh, 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 prop up Eli Manning. No, absolutely not. Trust me, I have not forgot 2007, 2011. I I don't have great feelings for Eli Manning. I despise him. Yes, I despise <laughs> him. Actually, so um, I, I'm I'm just I th- I'm thinking outweighing uh, the positives and the negatives. I I think the biggest positive out of this, and for me personally, would be to watch Eli Manning come in, have a very Eli Manning-like game, meaning mediocre to, to, to good, and eliminate the Philadelphia Eagles once and for all from the playoffs. So um, that's that's what's motivating me. But at the end of the day, I, I don't want to you know, root too much for Eli Manning because, again, it, it, it's he is the uh, he is the source of, of the reason why I wake up in the middle of the night in, in hot sweats. Uh, most yeah, days. well, it, it, I can understand that, but you know, it's the holidays. You got to embrace, you know, the, the the love and the feeling that everybody has nowadays. Everybody's feeling mm-hmm. good and all that. And just remember, it really wasn't Eli Manning's fault. It was Roger McDowell's fault. He was <laughs> the one that spit on Newman That's from right. the hill up on the gravelly road. So you know what? Left. Don't play. back <laughs> and to the left, <laughs> back and to the left. So uh, yeah, in, in any case, yeah, just blame the whole thing on McDowell. That's what they did. That's what Keith Hernandez did. He went on to pretty good things since. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say I would say so. He had a pretty, pretty decent, decent career. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, no, like it, it'll be fun. It'll be a great storyline to follow. And uh, for Giants fans, and I, I do know a few and uh, I, I certainly uh, appreciate them and they're friendly and all that, um, you know, give you a chance to root for Eli because I because I know there there are Giants fans out there that agree that I think, you know, he should have had a, a better shot. You know what I mean? A better chance or, or more of an opportunity, um, especially last year. I think I think if they didn't bench him last season uh, unexpectedly and, and ruin his his consecutive start streak, which, again, that's that's kind of a kick to your franchise quarterback, then, you know, may, maybe he wouldn't, you know, have gotten so much sympathy this year. But I, I do think he deserves another chance and good for him. Give him a chance to go out uh, with a 500 over 500 record. So uh, because that would be very Eli Manning to <laughs> finish his career at exactly 500. So um, in other news, in other news, uh, <clears throat> 49ers suspended uh, broadcaster Tim Ryan for some very, uh, let's say, stupid comments <laughs> uh i i mean there's no other way to put it i mean when you when you sit here and and uh it, it, it's like it's like that dave Chappelle skit uh, uh uh stand up uh you know 2003 2004 so not the more recent ones but when he's talking about going out and uh you know sometimes things happen that are just so racist that you don't know like you just don't know how to react and just well, well that's that's racist well this is kind of what that is it's like you know so in in a very casual manner uh, the the broadcaster suggested that Lamar Jackson's skin color or the the tone of his skin color uh, was an advantage because of the ball and and it's just like when you when you're sitting there listening to that and the the thoughts going through your mind are just like first of all you have to catch up to the actual thoughts because you're just almost just in shock that someone would even think that that's appropriate to say um, so I I don't know I mean the, it, it's 
it's it's such a I, j- I just don't understand why something like that comes into your mind and you think it's a good idea and, tr- and trust me like doing stuff like this being doing live shows and whatnot uh, i mean a lot of stupid things come into my mind but it's generally like st- like stupid sports things like not like borderline racial thoughts this is you know we're, we're talking like just hey i'm gonna say one you know one uh, stat and be completely wrong as opposed to or or i'm gonna say the day wrong or something stupid like that not like again borderline racism so uh, obviously the 49ers suspended them and they released the statement we hold tim to a high standard as a representative of our organization and he must be more thoughtful with his words tim has expressed remorse in a public statement and has done so with with us privately uh the 49ers said in a statement to san francisco chronicle we know tim as a man of high integrity and are confident he will grow and learn from this experience um i mean look honestly sometimes i see these stories and i think they're coming from the onion and then, then I realized, oh no, th- no, this is actually real. Um, so, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm just, I'm shocked. <laughs> Honestly, just someone would say something so foolish. No, it's true. I mean, you know, it, and especially in today's day and age, I mean, you, you look at comments like this, and you see things that happen that still happen to this day, even with all the awareness that that is out there. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's an unfortunate situation all around. It's unfortunate that the comment was made. It's unfortunate that, you know, people have to, you know, read this, be offended by it, and even that it it trickles into our society. So I think the 49ers made the right move. I don't necessarily look at Tim as being someone that's, you know, the devil incarnate. I really do believe it was probably a comment that wasn't made maliciously, that was made, uh, Um, I I would probably say haphazardly and very stupidly if you want to if you if that's a word but uh, (laughs) irresponsibly I think that's a better word to use absolutely but at the same time you know is it a is it a fireable offense I would probably say no if is it a a suspendable offense yes and I think that's where they walk the fine line Mm -hmm. so they've made their their move they've they've suspended him it looks sounds like from their statement that he will be back that they still hold him in pretty high regard and Mm. just need to uh you know to put him in his place when it comes to stuff like this but you know you just hope that someday soon and someday very soon that comments like this are not needed to be explained they're not needed to be that they'll just disappear from the american lexicon because it's something that i think is it's it's one thing to say, oh, well, that's offensive. That's not offensive. I mean, it's it's hard to say that because if you're offended by something and you tell me not to be, that negates my feelings on the situation. And I'm using me as an example here, folks. I'm not saying that I was offended by the comment or whatever, but what I'm trying to say is that if we try to eliminate this type of rhetoric from, especially from professional dialogue, like the one that a play-by-play announcer or a, anyone like, like you and I that have a radio show every morning or anybody like that, you have to choose your words carefully. And you really, I think the day is, is coming where we don't necessarily have to choose our words carefully anymore. It's just not going to be even a thought in our head to utter comments mm-hmm. like that. So hopefully we can get to that level and we can do you know that to become a better society. But all in all, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things that's, that's unfortunate. So, you know, he was, he was given his punishment and hopefully the story can move on from there and it doesn't have to linger. Yeah, and I, I think you said uh, the key word, malicious, and I don't think anyone, I mean, malicious, 
in it in intent um obviously the comments in itself are you you know you can consider malicious or, or obviously inappropriate and and disrespectful all yeah. those things absolutely uh, but yeah. but the intent i i don't think he was i mean trust me we've seen uh <laughs> videos on social media with with far more intent and and uh hatred behind it so again he said something stupid oh very yeah stupid very racist very uh you know whether he intended it or not. It's oh just, yeah, there, no, there's and, no and no one. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one's questioning that. It, exactly. That was it was it was a terrible comment. Yeah. You know, oh, was, absolutely. Yeah. If so, you were offended by that comment, you had every right to be. It, oh, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I was, and I'm not. I'm, I mean, I'm just like thinking, like, like that's just you. you just don't, there, there's other ways. There's other things you can talk about. There's other. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just to me. It just it, it, it. I'm just. I didn't hear it until it, obviously it was brought up because I don't listen to the San Francisco radio broadcast. But uh, you know, obviously it picked up steam because other people heard it. So, but moving on, moving on because that was that was obviously in the news, and uh, you know we do want to talk about it. Adam Thielen, Minnesota Vikings. Looks like he had a setback. He was um, potentially supposed to uh, play on Monday night. Uh, he looks like he is not going to go once again. So that's going to hurt the Vikings. Obviously coming off a pretty uh, pretty tough loss. So. Um, you know, he, he obviously, when he originally injured himself, he tried to come back just a couple weeks later with the hamstring, and he was out almost instantly. And, and that's that's never a good sign, and those hamstring injuries can uh, really linger. Um, another player, and, and I, I, I was like, I, I mean, I don't know the extent of what, you know, how this injury affects you or whatever, but Josh Jacobs, the, the Raiders rookie running back, has been playing with a fractured shoulder um, since week two. Uh I'm sorry, it was, uh, week seven against Green Bay. And, uh, you know, he's only fourth in the league in rushing with 1,061 yards. So that's, I, I, I always, I always laugh. Cause again, I, sometimes I wake up in the morning and like my back hurts <laughs> for, for no, for no other reason than I sit at a chair or I, I, I sit behind a wheel of a car for, for, for the majority of the day. And, uh, you know, I, I get older and that's, I just hurt. Um, and these guys are going out there getting hit by 250 pound linebackers with fractured shoulders and gaining a lot of yards after the fact. And <laughs> to me, it, it never, it never ceases to amaze me what these guys put themselves through. No, it really is. I mean, it's, it's one thing to play through injuries. It's one thing to have injuries. And we all have our opinions on players that maybe should be playing through some difficulty. And then there are players out there that we look at that you look at them and you say, how are they out there? I mean, really? I mean, the pain that they're in must be excruciating. And yet they're out there week after week. It's a testament to the type of athlete that you are. And look, for some players taking care of their bodies and being uh, you know, a part of that culture that's now, I guess, work management or load management or whatever you want to say it's it's a part of our of our sports culture now but ultimately i I really think that uh, it i think it really lies within the player and within the team if the team is willing to to put up with it then fine but it really is amazing with especially with jacobs i mean it's it's amazing what these players do put their their bodies through on a daily weekly and monthly basis just to get through the grind of a football season I could never do it. I think I speak for you when I say you could probably never do it. I think it's it takes a special type of player to be able to suit up and do stuff like that each and every day. The football team at my high school, they were tough. After they sacked the quarterback, they went after his family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> the war's over. Get new parts for your head. No respect. Oh, man. No, I, as soon as you started talking about Tom, I was like, oh, yeah, I got I to gotta go to that one. Uh, <laughs> no, like I, I mean... 
I, I played football one year just because, you know, I always wanted to play, but I, I, obviously I grew up playing hockey and, and up in the Northeast, Massachusetts, all that stuff. It, if you're really into it, it, it's a 365 day a year sport. So there's really no other time for, for a, fo- a sport like football where you're so involved. But I did play and I enjoyed getting hit. I, I kind of liked it because I was a goalie. So I didn't get a, I didn't get hit a lot playing hockey, and I, but I always wanted, you know what I mean? I always wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit. Uh, but I, again, I can't imagine being <laughs> as, as injured as some of these guys are playing the sport. So, you know, good for Josh Jacobs. He's, he's having a great year and he's been kind of the centerpiece around, uh, part of this Raiders resurgence of sorts. And, uh, you know, he kind of represents that really strong rookie class on offense, uh, with, you know, guys like Max Crosby on defense, kind of really stepping it up. Um, who, who, if you guys listened over the summer, appeared on uh, the or over in the spring, appeared on the Black Tuesday podcast hosted by Terrence Biggs. So that was before the Raiders drafted him. So y- you can kind of tell how on point that they are with that. But uh, if you want to go ahead, go back and uh, check it out, listen to the interview. It was a really really good stuff. But um, yeah, Josh Jacobs. We'll we'll see. Uh, looks like he's gonna keep keep going. I mean, he's been going since week seven with it, so it doesn't seem to uh, be affecting him too much. So. Uh, we mentioned, and we don't do this often, and uh, you know, mostly because the NFL dominates headlines and all that stuff. But uh, baseball is starting to pick up, and uh, yeah, you know, the, the the rumors are swirling, the 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 moves are starting to be made. Uh, the first off, couple pitchers. Actually, you know what? Before I get to the signings, uh, I do want to say the Angels. The Angels. Um, <clears throat> two important things. First. The Angels are in the process, or I believe have already purchased the parking lot stadium and the surrounding areas around uh, the, the ballpark in Anaheim and have signed a lease, uh, keeping them in Anaheim for two, uh, through 2050. So uh, unlike the Rays in St. Pete, there is some certainty as to where the Angels are going to be for the very uh, foreseeable future, so the next 30 years or so. Um, that's pretty big news. Another uh, another bit of big news, and I think uh, Mets fans across the nation are rejoicing at this news, is that the Wilpons are expected to sell up to 80% of their controlling interest in uh, the Mets organization to a guy who's just worth a mere $9.3 billion. Yeah, that's that's billion with a B. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I wish I, wish I would have got that soundbite from... Uh, from Breaking Bad, when when Walt's describing uh, uh, Madrigal or whatever uh, Gray Matter, how he's like, no, that's that's B billions. But this guy's worth nine point three billion dollars. Uh, Steve Cohen. Uh, so over the next five years or so, they're going to transition into him being the controlling <coughs> partner and they're the guy who basically runs baseball operations. So for Mets fans who have been yearning for a change, I think this is a a, a good. Uh, step in the right direction for them because I, I know they certainly uh, <laughs> have not uh, enjoyed a, uh, a lot of success as of late. You know, aside from a brief uh, run to the World Series several years back, it's been pretty much uh, it's been pretty much uh, down in the dumps for the Mets, and 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 ownership is certainly part of the problem. So uh, that, that, I'd say that's pretty big news for Mets fans, and 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 I'm thinking about Terrence, who I just mentioned about the uh, Raiders podcast, because he is a big Mets fan. So. Yeah, no, it's true. It really is. And uh, definitely a very good uh, thing for the rough of the Mets organization. Uh, the Wilpons have been the, uh, the the punching bags for a lot of Mets fans lately. And look, that that's I, I have no argument with that at all. Uh, it will be good to see new ownership come in and I think maybe invest a little bit more into the team, into, uh, you know, 
putting the right people in the right places to make the right decisions for that franchise because there is you know there there always is talent that seems to matriculate to uh, to Shea Stadium or the old Shea Stadium okay. now uh, you know obviously uh, City Field but at this point you know that's definitely a good thing for them great thing for the Angels organization as well for them to remain where they are they made a trade yesterday picking up Bundy and uh, mm-hmm. uh, shoring up that bullpen a little bit you heard the brass of the Angels say we're not done yet so maybe this is the year they finally surround Mike Trout with some good talent some great talent on uh the pitching staff bullpen and try to make a run in uh in the west uh because there is that's it's a great market it's you know it's an area where you know they've had some success before you'd like to see them try to build back up a little bit on that end and trout is still in my opinion hands down the best player in baseball so you know to surround him with some great talent and see him play a lot more is definitely something i'll be looking forward to but uh yeah, there is a lot of there's a lot going on, a lot swirling around in the world of baseball right now uh, with the hot stove heating up, especially with Zach Wheeler. We saw that yesterday. Philly's going in big time. With yeah, hundred and eighteen million dollars, man. You know, honestly, I could have just been a, a a subpar, mediocre middle relief pitcher. Like I, I, you know, honestly, I would accept I would accept being the guy who goes in when you're when you're just down nine to one. You need someone to eat innings. I don't care if I get shellac, but I can make a pretty penny doing that, and I'm okay with that. So. Um, Actually, no, I, I think the best career choice I could have made if I was a kid was to just punt footballs. Um, <laughs> I mean, come on, you can make six, seven figures by punting a football. I mean, hell, if you're a punter for the Patriots or the punter for uh, a team that scores a lot and doesn't turn the ball over, or doesn't uh, stall in drives, you don't got to do much. So uh, I I, uh, I certainly missed the boat on that one. So uh, in, in the next life, I will I will try to be better and try to just be a punter and make a good living that way. So um but yeah, Zach Wheeler, obviously, <laughs> the word is that uh, he turned down a bigger offer from the Chicago White Sox. And uh, that, that's unfortunate because, you know, that's another team that's that's suffered quite a bit, um, especially since uh, what when they won the World Series in 2005. It's really been that long. I mean, we're, we're talking almost 15 years now, but. Uh, that that's a team that that clearly is having trouble attracting uh, talent, and uh, that that has obviously uh, hindered them in, in becoming a a more successful franchise. So um, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, once we get uh, Cole Hamels too, forgot to mention that uh, one year, eighteen million with the Braves. So um, yep. yeah, so I mean, it, like we know how it goes in baseball. Things start to uh, to pick up in December. You start hearing moves. I mean, remember the uh, the Thanksgiving Day trade for for uh, Kurt Schilling and, and um, you know, all these moves that start happening around the winter meetings and, and, you know, you start gearing up once the calendar turns, you're like, okay, well, spring training's just, just, just several weeks away. So it'll be interesting to see. And, and, and to the angels point, uh, with Joe Madden now, uh, you know, kind of being the bench boss, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of gets everything going and see if they can actually get the angels into the playoffs, because it seems a shame that uh, the, what a lot of people consider the best player in baseball is, consistently on the sidelines when the postseason comes so that's that's not a good thing for the baseball or Mike Trout I mean you want your best player in the playoffs that's just kind of how it happens so all right I absolutely I was gonna say I'm sure we will be spending quite a bit of time on that so before we get into Thursday night football I do want to uh we we generally do our uh power rankings on Wednesday uh but Given the whole schedule, you know, just being kind of out of whack this, this last week, we've pushed it back to today. So, before we start talking about kickoff, uh, Thursday night football between the Bears. That's right. Duh. Bears. Duh bears. That's right. Duh bears. <laughs> 
audio troubles. Not not quite not quite reacting when I press the button, so a little bit of a delay. Um, before we start talking about that, I do want to give our power rankings because there there I'm assuming there might be a little bit of a jumble. So um, we'll each start. We'll, we'll I'll go five, you go five, I'll go four, you go four, so on and so forth. So my fifth team, okay, is is the New Orleans Saints. Um, you know, I think they, they've obviously, you know, they got the quarterback, they got a defense, they got a lot of offensive weapons, and they play really well for the most part, most every game. So, uh, New Orleans Saints at 10 and 2, actually currently the number one seed in the NFC, uh, sitting at number five in my power rankings. We are once again like-minded, and everybody's rolling their eyes going, why do I bother? Because these guys are going to say the same thing. And we may not. We may. You know, there's a possibility, folks. But uh, the New Orleans Saints are my number five team as well. Look, they didn't play their cleanest football in November, Mm -hmm. but they have played well as of late. They rebounded a little bit and are starting to show that flash of the team that I picked to go to the Super Bowl uh, early on in this this season. I think they're playing well on both sides of the football. I still think there are a couple of teams in the NFC that might have a little something to say about them making the claim for the top spot. So right now, because of a stacked NFC and a stacked AFC, I have New Orleans as my number five club. Yep. And, uh, you know, for, my reasoning is, is very similar to yours. I mean, it's just you got to take it into account the context. I mean, it's it's not too long ago that, that the Saints lost a pretty bad game, but they rebounded well. And there are teams in the NFC that are better. And one of those teams, in my opinion, is my number four team. And that's that's the Seattle Seahawks. Um you know, Seahawks are an interesting team because at times they look like just world beaters. Um, and then at other times, I mean, their defense gives up a lot of points. And I, I'm not sure whether or not that should be concerning or at least, I mean, of, of course it's concerning. You don't want your defense to give up a lot of points, but concerning to the to the point where it's going to hurt them in the long run. Um, obviously, their offense is good enough to overcome it, and generally they play a, play with a lead at times, so sometimes it's a lot of garbage points. But still, you don't want to see um, your team giving up those type of points. So uh, I, I'll be curious to see how that tightens up here in the last four weeks, uh, see if the Seahawks can kind of ramp it up a little bit and, and get ready for the uh, playoffs. Very, very interesting. Um, And uh, my number four team, and uh, this is tough. This is really tough for me. This is really, really tough for me. My number four team is yours and our New England Patriots, folks. And I say that the number four team, and I I, I really, really debated putting them up there at at number three. I think to rank them any higher would just be me being a homer. But when you... What this team has done offensively and look i'm not going to start getting into pointing the finger on the blame game of who's to blame whether it's brady it's receivers or whatever the lack of productivity has been there yeah. now is that to say that this is going to be that way going forward i don't believe so i think they're going to snap out of their funk and i think they're going to do it this weekend but if you're asking me right now who the power rankings and who the teams are it pained me to put them here solely on the uh, uh, the strength or the lack of strength of the offensive output the last couple of games. Of course, coming off of a loss to Houston, which is not an embarrassment. Houston's a good team, folks. I've seen a lot of Twitter chatter back and forth. That how could they? They should be so. They should be uh, embarrassed to lose to Houston. It's not an embarrassment to lose to the Houston Texans. It's a solid football team. So, you know, I. I it's tough for me to rank them this low at this point. I don't anticipate this. Is, I hope this is the lowest I have to rank them all year. <laughs> uh, but um, when it came to that and I looked at some of the offensive output, that's that's what I saw. Not indicative of their roster, not indicative of anybody falling off a cliff or rookies running wrong routes or anything like that. 
I went purely on statistics on this one, so they're my number four team, but hopefully climbing. <laughs> That's right, trending upwards, trending upwards. No, yes, I, trending upwards. Yeah, you know, I look. I understand it. I I do. I I I think um I think the trap a lot of people fall into, uh, especially these um. You know, a lot of the national shows is you, is you react to what yeah. happened this week, which again, that's that's part of that's part of the, the the exercise as to what what have you seen more recently. But I think people put far too much weight into that because I mean, these other teams like Baltimore and like yeah, Baltimore's hot. Yeah, no no one's going to deny that, but um, they have certainly had losses probably as bad, if not worse, than the Patriots. So in the long run, I I. I don't want to knock the Patriots or other teams like the 49ers too much because of, uh, you know, a loss here and there. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that. So needless to say, <clears throat> my number three team is the New England Patriots. And and I, I agree with you. I think putting them any further on this uh, higher on this list would be a little bit of ho- of, a, of homerism. But, um, you know, I, I, I think three is an appropriate ranking because, you know, at the end of the day, they lost a game to the Baltimore Ravens, who I think a lot of people think is right now the best team in football. And their other loss came to a Houston Texans team. And at the end of the day, like, I, I there's issues on the offense, but to me, they're not unfixable. And I, I spent a lot of the time, a lot of... A lot of time the last few days and over the last week comparing this team to <clears throat> the 20, <clears throat> excuse me, the 2013 version of the New England Patriots, who, of course, dealt with a lot of the same issues, but that version was completely gassed by the time it got to the playoffs in terms of they just didn't have anyone else to step up and make plays in the offense, especially uh, the offensive line was hurt. Obviously, Gronkowski was out for the year. They were dealing with the... I I hate bringing him up because, you know, you know, obviously for the things he did, but I mean, they lost Aaron Hernandez unexpectedly that off season. So all of a sudden that team right off the bat was trying to redefine what they planned on doing, uh, because we all know how integral, in, integral, uh, Aaron Hernandez was in that offense, uh, before obviously he decided to go do the things that he did and, uh, get arrested and subsequently, you know, all that stuff. So, um, but like I said, I think this team, <clears throat> this team has the ability to fix it with the talent that they have because I don't think this is a lack of talent issue. I think it's just a they got to get better, and I, I am talking about most of the you know the the skill position players, the rookies. I mean, Philip Dorsett, I think is kind of taken a little bit of a step back I feel like as his volume of receptions have increased so has his drops because there was a point in time where he had he had caught 14 straight passes to him so I think that's kind of regressed a little bit but I'm rambling a little bit at the end of the day I think the Patriots are still the third best team right now in the league and that has obviously the potential to grow so number three the New England Patriots (laughs) yeah and my number three is exactly the flip-flop the mirror image I I went with the Seattle Seahawks in this situation and look they you know the 37 to 30 win over the Vikings that definitely that shifted the complexity of the NFC if you think about it and you have to give them their just due now a lot of people are probably going to say well the Niners lost and the Seahawks won so how could you rank the Seahawks less than the Niners well, there are a couple of reasons for that. First of all, I was very impressed with the way Seattle uh, – I was impressed with the way Seattle played, but I was very impressed with the way San Francisco played. Yep. And we'll get into that in a minute. But right now, 
you know, they, they've, they're in the, the driver's seat when it comes to, uh, uh, to the division. They've got a big Week 17 rematch against San Francisco looming. All of a sudden, that's going to be a huge, huge game. I really like what Seattle has been able to do with getting Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. I think that combination is finally starting to grow into what Seattle had hoped it was going to be all along. So if that's going to make their offense even more potent, this could be an interesting conversation. But I still think on the defensive side of the ball, San Francisco is stronger, and that's why I ranked them a little bit higher than the Seattle Seahawks. But right now, they're my number three team in the NFL. Yeah, and and, and, and look, you're not going to get any complaints from me. I like the Seahawks quite a bit. I love Russell Wilson. Um, I think he's just now kind of starting to get edged out, obviously, by Lamar Jackson for that MVP lead. But um, that doesn't take away anything, I think, about him or the team itself. And I think they're going to be a pretty formidable team moving forward. And and look, that, that, <laughs> that, that rematch with San Francisco is going to be that's going to be something that's going to be, you know, sit your butt in the chair appointment viewing, no matter what uh, team you root for. So um, that'll be fun. So <clears throat> number two for me, uh, San Francisco 49ers, uh, like you said, and, and, and I was kind of going to elaborate on this, like despite the loss, like you can't like you can't fault the 49ers for losing that game. That was a really good game that right. at times they could have won. I mean it was it came it went to overtime. They lost by 3 points. You're not you know, there's no such thing as a, I I don't believe in good losses. Uh but there are varying levels, uh, varying degrees of, of losses, and this is certainly not one to to hang your head about. So to me the 49ers have have continued to prove in that their defense is is very very legit uh we talked about it a little bit yesterday they kind of have given you a uh using the cliche giving you a blueprint um to to <laughs> kind of slow down that run, rushing attack of the ravens so you know hats off to uh san francisco san francisco and uh you know they they got another huge test this week and uh they're almost through this gauntlet of a stretch for them yeah, they're uh, the 49ers are my second team ranked as well, and I think we're probably one and two. I think we're like-minded when it comes to this. Look, they came very close, and I'm glad that you hit on that point about laying that groundwork. I hate using the term blueprint because, yeah. I mean, it's just – but, uh, but and I, you know, we both have to use it, and I'm not knocking you for using it. But they did lay a little bit of the groundwork. I think what they did a lot was build on what we saw the New England Patriots try to do to the Baltimore Ravens uh, in that game that they played back on November 3rd. I think the 49ers took it to another step, and I think now you're starting to see – exactly how to slow down an offense like this so that'll be interesting to see going forward however 49ers they've been through the gauntlet lately i mean they've run through a great stretch here uh this is definitely going to make sure that kyle shanahan's team is playoff tested by the time they get to the playoffs uh, and that was one thing that a lot of people were knocking on this ball club a lot of people were you know looking at their schedule and saying, no they haven't played anybody where have we heard that before? Yeah. But uh, in any case, uh, you know, I, I digress. I digress. But, um, you know, this is going to be a huge game for them coming up against the Saints. Uh, very difficult stretch. And this one's going to be a big test for uh, for San Francisco once again. But ultimately, I love what they've done on defense. I also like the fact that they're starting to round in a little bit on offense with Kittle getting healthy, with Emmanuel Sanders starting to get healthy a little bit. Their running game with Matt Breda has been very good. Jimmy Garoppolo's been, I think, growing a little bit each week. He's going to make some mistakes. He made them in, in the Ravens game. He's going to continue to make them. But he also proved that he can make plays when he has to as well. If that gives the 49ers a little bit of extra pop on offense then that's why I have them ranked number two over the Seahawks and over the Saints right now. I think that defense still puts them over the top. 
Yeah, and, and, and that's really, for me, the deciding factor. And to no one's surprise, the number one team in the league right now, or at least in my power ranking, is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, hottest team in the league, won eight, nine in a row, something like that. Uh, obviously beating some good teams in the process. So you got to tip your cap to them and, and say, you know, good for you. But, you know, for them, they have two divisional matchups and a, and a, and a game against a, a pretty good Buffalo team uh, this weekend uh, left in their four games. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they, they hold on because it's certainly no sure thing. Uh, because after after this week for the Patriots, outside of that Buffalo game, and I do think I give the Patriots more of an edge against Buffalo than than most teams just because of the, the familiarity and, and the fact that they're playing them for a second time at home. Um, so, but after this game against Kansas city this weekend, the Patriots have a fairly cakewalk of a, of a schedule, I guess you can put it, um, for the last three games, you get, uh, obviously Miami, Buffalo and the Bengals. So, um, the Patriots do still have an opportunity to take control of that number one seed. I do think it's just between these two teams right now, despite Houston playing well, despite, you know, Kansas City having his their moments. Uh, I, I think uh, the separation between the Ravens and the Patriots and the and the rest of the AFC is is, is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good distance. But um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And uh, it'll be an interesting December. So. You agree with me, Ravens? Or are you going something out of the box? <laughs> oh no, no. Well, I was going to put the Bengals because of their well, big, big win well, this year. No, that's no, right. Kidding, Red so. rifle. That's right. <laughs> yep, absolutely. The Red Rifle did it. He came up, came up big. But uh, no, of course, the Baltimore Ravens are the number one team ranked in terms of the power rankings right now. And look, Lamar Jackson's getting the lion's share of the credit. Quarterbacks always do, and he deserves it. He is the MVP. But a huge part of the Ravens' success this year really has to go to the leg of Justin Tucker. And I don't think yeah. a lot of people are talking about that enough. Yes, he's getting some press. He had the press conference the other day. He's a an interesting personality. And, you know, quite frankly, I think some we think we need more of that in the NFL. But uh, in any case, uh, Tucker has been amazing. He really has been as automatic as it comes when it comes to being a kicker. Kicked in tough conditions. Um Gave the Ravens the uh, the win on uh, on Sunday, so they're just they're clicking on all cylinders right now. And you have to wonder at this point, it's going to be all about defensive coaching staffs being able to slow down the offense. If they can find ways to keep Lamar Jackson and that rushing attack out of the end zone, then teams will have a shot to beat Baltimore. Because although they're playing a lot better on defense right now. They're not the 85 Bears. And you like how I, how I segue <laughs> yes, into what I, we're going to be talking about in a minute. The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. <laughs> I like uh, it. Wait, wait. <laughs> yep. But uh, in any case, uh, uh, yeah, the Ravens definitely the number one. Uh, the, the number one. They're number one seed right now, but they're number one in the power rankings as well. And you can't deny what they've been able to do on both sides of the ball. Number one dad. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> I just, oh man, uh, you know what? That's another rabbit hole. I don't want to get down. It's a Seinfeld reference. We could do that for the last fifteen minutes, but we have Thursday night football to um to discuss. But yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I figured we we're going to be a little bit on point and uh, just just true to our nature. I I'm slightly a little bit more uh, Homer when it comes to <laughs> when, when it comes to the Patriots, but I accept that. And you know what? When I bet the Patriots every single year to win the Super Bowl, I'm right fairly often. So I'll I'll take it.
probably more right than most people. So I have I haven't picked against them in all my predictions that I do it, for Locked On and for Full Press this year. I haven't picked against them once this year. So it's, you know maybe maybe this is a harb- <laughs> yeah maybe this is a harbinger of things to come. Maybe I should start being more negative and they'll play better. So yeah, you know, but, there you uh, go. yeah. In any case, I will take one for the team if that if that is the case. I will uh, I'll put on the villain hat. I'll turn heel for the last couple of uh, weeks of the season <laughs> to help out my boys in Foxborough. There you go. It'll be it'll be almost as famous as a Hulk Hogan heel turn. Uh, Mike debate. But what Turn- side is he on? We won't even get into it. We could fill a whole show on how Heenan almost gave that away that time. Well, I love Bobby Heenan, but that, that was, yeah, that, that was almost, almost the tip of the cat. Wait until we'll, we'll wait to do that until I get my, my catalog of, of wrestling music and uh, uh, soundbite soundbites. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause then we'll, then we'll have a little bit of fun with it because you know, I, you know, the only thing I can really do at the moment is, uh, this finally. finally there we go that's <laughs> and a, then that's all you need you know yeah, the rock, yeah. And, and then the undertaker gong so uh limited in my <laughs> soundbite um, uh catalog at the moment but it's it's just a process of um process of just going through the you know getting it all set up and all that but you know what it's good it's good so thursday night football we got 15 minutes left here mike that's right 45 minutes are down in the books behind us we we have we have talked quite a bit um but we still have football to talk about and like you mentioned yes, we before do. we have america's team <laughs> yeah okay uh hosting oh i'm not i'm sorry traveling to shoulder field to take on yes that's right the bears the bears, the bears, the yes. bears. um look it's a battle of six and six teams i mean yeah uh, this is, I uh, to me, the epitome of you are what your record says you are. You're a mediocre team, and I think both of these teams are are, are fantastically mediocre. Um, I do give, you know, quick right off the bat. I do give the uh, talent edge, the the on paper edge to the Cowboys because when you look at it, you, you got Dak Prescott, I, who I think is is one of the better quarterbacks in this league. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott. You still have a pretty good offensive line. Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb. I mean, they have weapons. They have play. I mean, hell, imagine if uh, you know Tom Brady had this uh, offensive line, you know, the entire season and not have to deal with the injury. So. Uh, wouldn't matter. He's washed up. That's right. He's done. That's right. Never mind. Done. Never Stick mind. A finger Never mind. Nope. No. <laughs> Sending him off to uh, I don't know. He's going to play in Fiji next year or something like that. I, I think uh, I he's, heard. He's uh, he's already got his room uh, set at uh, Shady Acres. He's he, he's there. Uh, <laughs> get it, Tom Shady. <laughs> Shady Acres. That's right. Yeah, Shady Acres. Yep. He's got his room set. He, he's there after this year, nursing home, yep. all that stuff. So yeah, he's uh, going to be starting quarterback. Ray Finkel's going to be kicking. It's going to be great right. over there. Yeah, that's they're right. Gonna, they're going to really enjoy it. Just remember, hold the laces out, folks. That that's right. That's right. And uh, I'm sure uh, Tom Brady is going to uh, have a room plastered with. Uh, uh, Eli die, Eli die, <laughs> uh, knitted uh, <laughs> hand towels because you know yeah. we all know the uh, the rivalry that's there. Haha. <laughs> yeah. But no, seriously. Uh, the Cowboys look; they have a lot of talent. Um, the Bears too. Uh, I I think obviously the biggest difference is the 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 play at quarterback. I think Dak Prescott is is a much better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. Uh, but I look; both these teams are. I mean, Chicago is really kind of more so out of it because Dallas Cowboys, despite being six and six lead their division. So uh, what are your initial impressions on this game? Are you uh, leaning towards any right out of the gate without getting too specific? Or do you have, is your gut telling you anything besides uh, you probably shouldn't eat that Polish sausage last night? 
Well, we'll get to the bullet sausage in just a minute, because as my good friend Bill Swirsky here is going to say, we'll talk about the bears in just a moment. But in any case, top bears, <laughs> top bears. but in any case, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm really I'm very much like minded when it comes to you in this game. I think on ta- on paper, you have to give the talent edge to the Cowboys. There are a ton of weapons on offense, and that's still an offense that's ready mm-hmm. to break out. They are facing a Bears defense, though, that does have playmakers in Khalil Mack, guys that can get after the quarterback, guys that can make plays happen. Their problems have been really mostly on offense this year, and I think it's demoralized the defense to you know areas where they've given up probably more points than they should have. They're but, both uh, 20, 28th in both yeah. offense, uh, rushing and passing offense, the Bears. But uh, on the flip side, top 10 in, in defense on both those, so uh, obviously ninth, in, and this is obviously yards per game, not points per game, because that's, that's not how we do things. That's not how defenses are measured. Um, but... Pa- uh, pass yards a game, they're ninth in the league, and rush yards a game, they're they're seventh. So we know their strengths. Yeah, absolutely, we do know their strengths, and you know, ultimately, I think the Cowboys right now are an anomaly to me because the talent is there for them to be a top flight team in the NFC. Now I'm not saying that they'd be in our power rankings of the top five, but when you take a look at the conference, maybe not the NFL, but you take a look at the conference, they should be without a doubt, a top five team in this conference. And just the level of consistency with which they played is sometimes up and sometimes down. And you have to wonder if that's due to coaching. I don't really wonder. I think it is due to coaching, but we'll see what happens. I don't, this is going to be a very, very make or break game for the Dallas Cowboys. This either saves their season or they could implode big time. And if the Philadelphia Eagles are able to rattle off a win <laughs> against the New York Giants this weekend. The NFC East could once again get interesting, folks. It's amazing to think with the with the Eagles the way they played the last few games that they would be still in contention for a playoff spot, I, 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 but they are. I'd pump your brakes because I, I believe in the magic of Eli Manning, and I give the Philadelphias exactly 0. 0.0. Percent chance Mr. to beat them. That's right. No, I, I uh, like I said, I give the Eagles no chance. But sorry, I just yeah. had to jump in. Well, Carson, well, Carson Wentz has no has no great point average. All go all <laughs> incomplete. So in any case, but uh, we'll uh, we'll get back to, uh, to to that in a minute, I guess. But the Cowboys. This is a big game for the Cowboys, and you know a lot of people look at this and say, well, the Bears aren't exactly you know a juggernaut. They're kind of. Still treading water in the playoff, you know, race. I guess if you could say that, I think they there, have to win throughout to yeah. be in there. But and, technically, and they're still alive. They're in the. That's if you that's look true. at the NFL board, they're listed as in the hunt. So they're still playing for something in Chicago. Um, I, I I wonder about the motivation of Dallas. Um, I think. Chicago needs to put together a game. This may be it. I, I, I yeah. don't know. I'm smelling a little bit of an upset here. So I'm, I don't know. Ooh, maybe may, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me wanting to do the voice. And Bill <laughs> Swirsky is trying to speak to me through the spirit of him and trying to say that if they can coach, if they can get a certain coach Dick out of retirement and maybe even throw a helmet on the guy, have him take some snaps under center and not even worry about throwing the ball. Just run the gauntlet directly into frozen soldier field on Sunday. If that happens, Bears by 75. The Bears. The Bears. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, and since we're obviously talking about this and I think about the skit pretty often, fairly often throughout the football season because it just, it's just it's a classic and it was uh, from a time, from a place, from an era when Saturday Night Live was actually good. Um but uh, it, 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 
you know, the, the closest thing we have to this type of actual mentality in real life is uh, <laughs> it's Nick Wright and the Chiefs. <laughs> Who would you take? Would you take the Patriots' second-ranked defense with all those players or Patrick Mahomes? Oh, I'll take Patrick Mahomes every day. <laughs> exactly. Mahomes uh, can just take on yeah. this whole defense by is, himself. Is Mahomes driving the bus? Okay, well, Mahomes, no. Uh, I, I, had, I had to get that. It was just a thought that came across my mind. But we're not talking about that, so I apologize. We're talking about Bears. and the Cowboys. That's right. Thank you, Bill. So, uh, look, you're right. The Bears are still technically in this, um, but they need a lot of help. I mean, this isn't the oh, – yeah. uh, uh, again, they're, they're not competing with another team that's 6-6 six and six for a wild card spot. Uh, they're, they're competing with basically teams that have a win or two above them. So they're going to need some help. I mean, they're, they're three games shy of behind Green Bay right now in the division. So uh, assuming uh, Green Bay and Minnesota don't just implode over the next four weeks, they're not going to win the division. Um, again, right. The wild card is is that's 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 going to be a tough one because again, the only team that has six wins that's in the playoffs right now is the Dallas Cowboys, and that's by virtue of the the fact that they're winning, they're leading their division. So it kind of speaks to what the NFC East is right now. But look for Dallas. They look. They just got to do what they do well. I mean, they got to run the ball well. Ezekiel Elliott just hasn't been the same consistent. Uh, threat that he has been the last few years. Uh, Dak Prescott has played well. He leads the league in passing uh, 3,788 yards, 23 touchdowns. He's having a really fine season. Um, Amari Cooper is just shy of 1,000 yards receiving. He should get that tonight. You know, I, I think he only needs 29 yards. So, um, you know, they again, they have good talent on this team. They have a pretty decent defense. Um, yes, missing Leighton Van Der Esch hurts. I mean, he's a big piece of that linebacking group for them. But you know, for the most part, I mean, you got to be able to win these games that I feel like they've just given away so many games to bad teams. Like, I mean, they they played well against bad to good teams, but they haven't beaten the really good teams. And that's concerning when you're looking for a team to, to make a dark horse run in the playoffs. So um, to me, Ezekiel Elliott has to be the guy today, though, because they got to be able to control the clock. They got to be able to make this defense tired because if they're able to, if the uh, Bears defense, um, the Bears are, you know, able to to key, uh, you know, key in on on Dak late in the game and really start to amp up the pressure. The Cowboys aren't going to have a chance. You, you got to get them tired. You got to get them gassed by the third or fourth quarter and really control this game. So Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott to me really has to step up and have a big one. Yeah, and if he does, then that definitely tips the scales in the yeah. favor of the Dallas Cowboys because he is a difference maker and, and that's in terms bear, of what he's able to do. That's the strength too. If Absolutely. they can attack the Bears' strength and 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 give that make that an advantage for the Cowboys, then you're going to win this game. So to me, you you have to you have to hammer home and 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 get yards on the ground because at the at the end of the day, if you're going if you're going to talk about a top rushing defense and and what a lot of people consider one of the best running backs in the in the game, you get you gotta you gotta make some moves. You gotta you know be effective and and really uh, impose your will, as they say. Yes, but you're forgetting the fact that the Bears have no weaknesses. <laughs> the Bears. That's right. The Bears. The Bears have no weaknesses. Um, <laughs> well, you know, except maybe, maybe the quarterback. Maybe some questionable Paul Assassin <laughs> yes. that was sold at Soldier Field on Sunday afternoon. But we're talking about a weekend here that's one week removed from Thanksgiving. No turkey, all Paul Assassin. Yeah, oh yeah. And I, you know, I would agree with that, Bob. 
Uh, I, I, I prefer Polish sausage over uh, the disgusting bird that is turkey. But, you know, hey, that was Thanksgiving. That was a week ago. I'm over my rant. Um, unless you want to bring it up, and uh, feel free to talk to me about your, your preferences about turkey because I hate it. At IGLEN31 on Twitter, go ahead. Feel, feel free to uh, message me. I, I, will, I will gladly engage you in that conversation. But right now, we're having a conversation um, about how the Cowboys, I think, may may win this game. Uh, again, you got to key in on Ezekiel Elliott. You got to be able to run that offense and be efficient on offense. You can't be turning the ball over. You can't be going three and out against this team. Um, you can't be giving a, a limited offense like the Bears more opportunities to steal this game because, look, the Cowboys are a good team, but they're not good enough to overcome mistakes. They start making mistakes, they're going to lose this game, and they're going to lose a lot of games. You know, like there's certain teams the Patriots can get away with making mistakes against bad teams because ultimately they're going to come back. Same with a lot of these other really good teams. Um, the Cowboys, in my opinion, can't. They start making mistakes. I don't care who you're playing, you're going to lose this game. Um, I mean, look what happened against the Jets, <laughs> the same team that just lost to Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, and the winless <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals. So. To me, it's just it's just it's, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and look, the the pressure's on the Cowboys because they've lost two in a row, and then, albeit they've lost to New England and Buffalo, two really good teams in the AFC. But um, you know, out, out of the last five games, they're two and three. They're two wins against Detroit, against the New York Giants, three losses, Minnesota, New England, and Buffalo. All those games, or, or two of those games, they've failed to uh, muster up any sort of offense, uh, scoring nine points, obviously, against the Patriots and only 15 against Buffalo, and really looking just out of sorts for a majority of the game. Now, granted, they were able to put up 24 against Minnesota, but still, you're, you're talking about three losses in the last five games to three playoff teams. I mean, these are the teams that Dallas is going to have to win if they want to make a Super Bowl run anyway. So it, it, it's definitely concerning, and uh, maybe the pressure... Maybe the pressure gets to you, and maybe the pressure is um, enough to get them over the hump and uh, you know motivate them to actually win a game against a, a, a I guess a five hundred team. So we'll see, we'll see. So I got a, a who's your who's your X factor in this game for the Cowboys and then for the uh, Bears? Michael, Mike, no, no Mike. Michael. All right, I think we might have lost Mike here. It's okay. It's all right. We'll get him back on the line. Um, it's that uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, internet up there in Rhode Island. Actually, since we only have 90 seconds left, I am not going to get him back on. So um, we'll just wrap it up here. So I'm going to give my uh, prediction for the game. Uh, I, I will uh, Hopefully, Mike will shoot it out on Twitter, and we'll tweet it from the at FPC Radio Live account uh, so everyone can see it. But I have the Dallas Cowboys winning this game 24-16. to I do think that they get the offense rolling uh, to the point where they're able to uh, you know, at least be effective enough to, to counter what Chicago can bring. And what Chicago can bring is really not that much on offense. So um, I do think the Cowboys get the win. It won't give me any – it won't sway me any – way whatsoever in terms of do I believe in them more in the playoffs I, I still don't um, I really at this point they have to actually do it before I can say I can believe in them so um, you got a couple months before you can prove it to me there uh, Dallas but um they will win tonight I think they do play a pretty pretty good game and look there's there's something to be said about having your backs up against the wall and I think that's what the Cowboys are so um, with that said I do want to say thank you everyone out there that was watching again give us a follow at FPC Radio Live on Twitter for all show updates we do post our shows uh, as podcasts so if you miss it or if you tune in late or if you just want to catch it later in the afternoon uh, check out on uh, uh, 
Apple Podcasts, Google, all those great places, FPC Radio Live, and uh, see all of our old episodes. So for myself, I'm Ian Glendon. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at IGLEN31. For Mike, he left us a little bit early, but it's okay. Follow him on Twitter. It's at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. Have a great day, folks, and we will see you tomorrow.